looking for trouble Marching for mission March for nation I don't care what I've been told This holy state is much too cold Cut from crooked cloth and more This holy state is much too old Puppets are red with batteries set They charge for a while And fall right in rank and fire when they forget Orders they follow, skin deep and hollow. The governing master to the hip is plastered. They protect and serve us, but murders not serve us. Now I don't care what I've been told. To kill so quick is an Now I don't care what they might say. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Welcome to the second episode of Common Air. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're okay where you are, holding up. My name is Yinkwei. This is a home recording because Stranded FM station in Utrecht is closed due to the lockdown that has been extended to half February. You just heard Rank and File by the artist Moses Sumney from his album Black in Deep Red, recorded in 2014. This album was ignited by the murder of Michael Brown in Ferguson in response to the jury's verdict not to charge the policeman who had shot Brown. Sumney recorded Black in Deep Red, inspired by his first and last experience of taking part in the protest that erupted around it. And he's this amazing vocalist and one-man orchestra. And actually, this song is, is quite unlike the rest of his work that's generally soft. I like it. 
his interpretation of the classic soldier song, uh, adapted somehow to suit a protest march and calling for disobedience. This winter has been gloomy, safe to say for all of us. Isolation is demanding a toll that I don't think we can oversee yet. And so I come to isolation. Etymologically, isolation comes from isola, which means island. Isolation. Isolation, which literally means to be islanded. And somebody mentioned this to me the other day, actually my Cape Verdean hairdresser, because I asked her, how do you say this word in Portuguese? And she said, isolada, like an island, like you're, you're, you're islanded. That's exactly what I've been my whole life. I've been islanded. And so I come to isolation. This is also from Moses Sumney, uh, recorded on his last album called Grey, which was made and released during the pandemic. I wanted to leave that one here to acknowledge a collectivized experience of, of isolation, but also as a response to the song from Morgan Basiches that, that Stacy played last as episode. Uh, we have always been an island. Um, Basiches came to the island in, in singing to a queer kinship and history, while somebody comes to it from isolation. And times have been sad, so uh, before we move into the themes of this episode, inspired by Walk the Rock and Nurani Julia Stuti, I want to play a little Pick Me Up, which is a song from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, she's a girl who's gotten me through many dark winters. Uh, it was on TV when I was a kid, and my older sister used to watch it, but us little ones weren't allowed to watch with her because uh, it's gory and kind of sadistic at times. And I can see why our parents thought we were too young. But when I was 21 and in Brooklyn for a few months, my roommate Jess uh, got me to watch the fifth season with them. And after that, I kept watching the whole thing over and over and over and I thought this could be a nice opportunity to share with you the wisdom that's inside Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So Buffy is the Slayer, right? A teenager that's chosen by fate to fight demons. Uh, she lives in Sunnydale, uh, which is a town located on top of a hellmouth, which makes it a demon hotspot. With her friends and Watcher, she battles against evil and, you know, it's a high school drama. They fall in love. It's got lesbian witches in the lead and seven seasons make one epic show. The late anarchist anthropologist David Graeber wrote about Buffy in an essay called Rebel Without a God. Uh, he calls the show anti-authoritarian and I quote... Sometimes the supernatural element is a simply obvious mirror for real life. 
as when Buffy, having run away from home, gets a job as a waitress and seems headed for a life of drudgery, until she discovers a band of demons who have been enslaving teenage runaways to labor in dark satanic mills beneath the earth, spewing them out broken and useless at about the age of 65. Yet, in one way, it is decidedly unlike real life. Demon bosses, after all, can be beheaded, though having Buffy lead the rebellion with a hammer in one hand and sickle in the other was perhaps a tad much. Real ones can't. He also says that Buffy reminds us how much 60s style youth rebellion was premised on an assumption of security and prosperity. Why put up with all this stodginess when life could be so good? Today's rebellious youth, rather, are reduced to struggling desperately to keep hell from entirely engulfing the earth. Such, I suppose, is the fate of a generation that has been robbed of its fundamental right to dream of a better world. Oh, David. Buffy as a wild dystopian fantasy to save humanity from its own authoritarian monsters. So the next song is from Once More with Feeling, which is the show's only musical episode. Uh, Sunnydale wakes up one day and people start breaking out into song and dancing wildly to a point where they combust, uh, blow up and burn to death. A demon is responsible, of course. This is the part where the group is trying to figure out what's going on. It's kind of sentimental, but really lifts my heart, uh, especially since the pandemic has come pretty close to an apocalypse. Because I, for one, I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory, some kid is dreaming, and we're all stuck inside his wacky Broadway nightmare. I've got a theory, we should work this out. It's getting eerie, what's this cheery singing all about? It could be witches, some evil witches, which is ridiculous, because witches, they were persecuted, wicked, good, and love the earth and women power, and I'll be over here. I've got a theory, it could be bunnies. I've got a Do or die, hey, I die twice. What can we face? 
Once more with feeling. Hold your loved ones close. There's light at the end of the tunnel. All right, moving on. Uh, so this episode, aside from some music, will feature three recordings. One is a conversation between artist and designer Wo The Rock and Casco's director Pinat Choi. And the other two are recordings from researcher Nuraini Julia Stuti. Uh, we're going to hear about two projects from Wo, Parasite Lottery and Burn Your Idols, that touch on the question of caring for an infrastructure of the commons through collective funding model and the concept of copying and piracy. Thank you to Nuning for giving this particular framework drawn from her research. Now, Casco is an art institute working for the commons. It's central in her vision and practice for the arts. Uh, so just shortly, uh, the commons refer to shared resources such as land, water, air, but also, for example, language, internet or the arts. So the things that we share uh, and that nourish and sustain life through collective maintenance and care. Uh, we will also dive into Indonesia's history through the songs that have accompanied its social movements at the second half of the 20th century. So I'm going to play the first recording that was contributed by Nuraini Julia Stuti. Um, she's a researcher and writer who was born in Indonesia and lives with her family in Australia at the moment. When she was a student, she co-founded Kunci Study Forum and Collective in Yogyakarta, Indonesia in 1999. Uh, she finished her PhD thesis, The Commons People, Managing Music and Culture in Indonesia, two years ago. And in the new year, she will start a postdoc at the University of Amsterdam about the Commons Museum, uh, emergency activism and archiving as a creative and decolonizing strategy. She will discuss the project Burn Your Idols by Wo The Rock. Uh, and the name for the project was inspired by the song Kill Your Idols by Sonic Youth, which you will hear before the recording starts. Ah! 
I'm going to talk about copying, the making of comments, and caring of the infrastructure of comments using the discussion of Burn Your Idol. Burn Your Idol is a music fan space project initiated by What The Rock, a Yogyakarta-based visual artist and music producer. In the project, the participants were invited to talk about the music albums that they liked and write about what made them their favorites. As an output, what would produce a disc to contain a copy of the album? To emphasize the story of the fans, the front cover of each disc had a picture of the participant while on the back cover was a personal note written by the participant. The portraits of the participants were contrasted with the original covers of the albums. Over time, the project has transformed into a documentation of people in walks and my circles and of wider communities as well. I participated in the project back in 2008. The album I chose was The Wedding Album by Duran Duran, and I wrote two lines to describe why. I bought the album because I found the lyrics of Ordinary World interesting. A sentence that I remember the most from it is, ours is just a little sorrow talk. It's not a particularly an interesting album of song, but I guess I chose it because it was the first cassette that I bought in my high school year using my pocket money. Here's the song. The name of Your Idol project derives from Kill Your Idols, an EP of American rock band Sonic Youth, which was released in 1983. It also alludes to burning, a common technique used to reproduce certain music material from a disc to another blank disc using a set of copying technologies and otherwise known as piracy. The project used the act of copying as a starting point to talk about copying culture among music fans in Indonesia. Burn Your Idol discusses copying or CD burning as a method for collecting music resources. This project was situated in the period where copying performed an easy task to amass digital files. In 2008, when this project was launched, it was part of everyday habit to go to piracy shops and rentals to get audiovisual materials for entertainment or other purposes. But in talking about this project, what differentiate copying with action of piracy? What proposed two basic reasons of copying? The expensive price of the original CD and the copied disc are usually not for sale. Copying is the cheapest and easiest option that weaved into the everyday acts to fulfill the needs for music. In this context, as stated in the description of the project, copying cannot be perceived as piracy. The design of the Pernier Idol installation is modeled on a two-wheel cart used by street vendors. During the 90s, when cassettes were still the dominant media for music, it was common to see cassette vendors on the street using this kind of hand push cart. The vendors organized the cassettes on racks built on top of the cart. In presenting Burn Your Idol in art galleries, Walk often created a living room where a table, disc rack, and chair sets were installed. Part of the purpose of this was to highlight that the practice of copying is a common everyday habit. 
the living room situation in the exhibition indicates the familiar setting of copying in the realm of fence. The familiarity of the setting is in accord with the informal way of performing copying. I want to connect the mobility capacities of the music street vendors with different kind of mobility afforded through copying practices. Copying has been playing an important role in increasing the taste mobility of a music fan. It provides opportunities to broaden one's horizon of music knowledge. Copying mobilizes certain imagination of the fan in developing the collection. It is part of the habit to govern everyday listening culture. Brian Larkin's study of media and infrastructure in Nigeria might provide um, an explanation which later uh, help us to define piracy in Indonesia. According to Brian Larkin, piracy is a prerequisite for the resources availability. It forms a preemptive action where the need for knowledge is anticipated. Piracy means access to things that would not have been available otherwise, and it is part of an attempt at developing and making judgment about the future. To consume piracy in Indonesia might be an attempt to learn about the unexpected probability of getting rare cultural material on disk. At the same time, piracy is deemed illegal and criminalized, as scholar Majid Yar said. The project drew on the significance of copying and piracy consumption in Watt's personal experience. While evoking illegal copying as an important method for accessing music, it also emphasizes copying as a collective experience in music collection. Through the project, Penyor Idol tweaks illegality as a useful method for knowledge sharing. When it was not exhibited in a certain gallery, Penyor Idol installation was put in Kunji's library room, next to some bookshelves. It made Pernyur Idol installation indeed look like an audio library. The last time I saw Pernyur Idol installation was when I visited Yogyakarta in 2019. There I could see a different face of Pernyur Idol, not only as an installation, but it can tell us about the life of an infrastructure for shared resources. The old installation of Penyur Idol made the last appearance in the Ordinary Negotiation, an exhibition at Jakarta in 2013. When the exhibition in ended, the organizer returned the installation back to Jogja. It was still wrapped neatly and placed at Kunci's veranda, with the fragile sticker still on its cardboard package. Next to the rack, were garbage bin, plastic chairs, and raincoats hanging on a hanger. What told me that the disc player of the old installation was broken. This was one of the reasons as to why he did not bother to unwrap the package at the first place. There were many reasons to explain why it was broken, of course. The installation had been moved for so many times, from one gallery to another and from one city to another or it was broken simply because it itched, just like other technological devices that overuse, worn out, and have become damaged beyond repair. To keep it neatly wrapped would keep the rack in good condition. When the disc rack was still functioning well, it served as the realization of your idol as a kind of audio library. But when it stopped functioning, the installation 
turned to be just a broken disk rack or a closed library without notice of when it would open for public again. The broken state of the installation represents how the media infrastructure works. The broken disk rack installation of Burn Your Idol project does not only represent the broken installation of an art project, it represents the broken of the Burn Your Idol music library that conceived as a commons. The installation was broken even before it served as a commons for a long period of time. It suggests that an ability to care is a precondition for the commons. That was Nuraini Julia Stuti, who provides us with an understanding of the value of copying practices under today's heavily commercialized and governed listening culture. Um, I appreciate very much how she explained piracy as an anticipation of the need for more knowledge about music and how she says that copying music can broaden the horizon of the fan and mobilize their imagination. Um, so considering music as a resource, as a commons, is something that you can really see embodied in, in Watt's artistic practice. Uh, Nuning already introduced Watt shortly, so just to, to add to that, uh, he's also a part of Artist Collective MESS 56, uh, organizes gigs, exhibitions and festivals, and he has many tentacles in arts design and music. So. Burn Your Idols is one example for understanding music as a commons and another one is that he runs a music, list, uh, music label called Yes No Wave Music which is a label where he releases artists for free. So actually any artist who want to release their music with Yes No Wave need to agree that their work can be distributed and circulated for free that it can be downloaded and remixed by, by anyone who's, who's interested. Of course, artists also need money to live, so you can still buy their album or their merch, uh, donate uh, on their band camps to support them, but the principle of Yes No Wave is this free distribution. And this reminds me of something that, that Marikit said, who, who gave a live concert in, in Channel One, um, when she was talking about the internet, uh, how it seems because of that, music became of the people again. And yes, no wave seems to be exactly that. Music from an official label that's accessible for everyone to listen and, and use as they want. Uh, we're going to hear from Wo. I've edited uh, a conversation between him and Bina Choi, who is director of Casco these past 12 years, where they remember about Parasite Lottery, which was another project initiated by Wo at Casco in 2016. And to get you in the mood for that, I'm going to play a song from the vinyl that uh, accompanied this project. Uh, the song is called Slow Burn. Uh, and recorded by Indonesian songbird Frau. This night in my bed, I stay up counting to 2013. Spiders in the webs, they catch fireflies, slowly turns out their gleam. Spinning them, turning them round and round, on and on, clutching them, straining them.
Last night in my sleep, Bowie showed me a world he thought I would see. A world from a song that he carelessly sang to a crowd of fleas. Moving them, changing them round and round, on and on, chanting out, crooning out words that foresaw the night's lived in the slow-burning arts. Exactly when we met, but uh, when is the first time? But I I got to know about the walks work in two thousand eight nine, and then it was already clear that he's working on alternative economy and like circulation production of uh, music. This yes no wave labor. Like the embryo form was already there then. Um, and then we invited Walk also to design the identity of the arts collaboratory. Um, and then Walk came on board to uh, Casco program to bring up this 
like initiate this uh, project Paradigm Lottery. It was time when Casco like uh, wrapped up its research period for composing the commons. So we were really eager to uh, practice the commons rather than studying about the commons. So what really brought the uh, right project <laughs> for the time. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> actually, I'm uh, well. I'm not an academic person. I'm, I'm very, very bad in text and discourses. That's why uh, at the time I was, I was really wanted to do like more in practically to do this commons idea. Yeah. But then she also offered me uh, one month's research in Utrecht, in the Netherlands. And then during that time, I, um, you know, actually I, I'm not really <laughs> researching anything. <laughs> I'm just exploring the city and talk to the people, the artists and the art people there. And then I oftenly heard about the budget cut issues that happened in Utrecht. It was 2000. 15, no? I mean, when I was there, I think, yeah. It's I thought 16. 16? Ah, yeah, yeah. 2016. Mm. And then it was like, like three years since the budget cut policy was uh, implemented in, in the Netherlands. So, and then while I'm uh, observing the cities, I found out that there are lots of, uh, you know, lottery tickets. You know, this lottery in in, in the Netherlands. This is something that uh, we don't have in Indonesia. This is like it's forbidden in Indonesia to do a lottery because it's we consider uh, lottery as a as a gambling. This is against the Muslim uh, policies. So and then I. Yeah, started to very curious about what is the, the the lottery works in the Netherlands, and then started from there. I asked peoples to about it, you know, how it works and and where it comes from, how the money goes to the artists and goes to the art activities, something like that, and then it 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 suddenly uh, remind me of. Arisan, it's a, like a, a micro micro funding system, like collective funding micro funding system in Indonesia, very popular. I think in also in South Korea, it's called coll collective because everyone actually is the winner. Every everyone will win, you know, to get the the, the uh, a similar purposes. For example, like uh, if if some people want to have a motorbike don't have any money at the time, during that time, and then and then we gather and then we collect money and then we do this draw. And then it's, it's very and it's very communal communal uh, system because everyone has to hold the, the draw events and then they have to invite all the members, all the participants and then they have to, you know, you know some more like social gathering. 
make very casual social gathering that uh, the house provide food and then drinks and then some some participant is very open to bring their own foods or drinks and then and then yeah having food and then chit chit chat and then we collect the money and then throw and then and then the winner got the money and then he he or she can buy the motorbike but the next throw event he has to he has to host the next event something like that and then it's you know and then everyone got the motorbikes that's the the, the, the ideas and then so so that's that's the idea came from you know from the from the budget card and and then i'm looking for how 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 i can experimentally propose a system how artists especially artists can can get you know independent funding and then it comes up the idea of the, the popular lottery who, who give who give kind of money to the arts and then came up with the arisan and then i try to mix and then i i propose this to Pina and then we we discuss about it how we can make it happen in 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 the netherlands context that's how we started it might not work in in the netherlands you know. for example like it's um, in indonesia the arisan uh, all the participants uh, give uh, like a, a similar amounts of money you know for example like 10 and we, we agree to 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 put like 10,000 each and then everyone like 10,000 10,000 but in the Netherlands I think it's not gonna works because there is the idea um, how we can distribute the money to to more like uh, uh, all ranks all scales of of organization or, or artists you know. so there is this idea that uh, the bigger the bigger uh, institution that we invite uh, give more money and and the small organization or artist collective give more less so there is this kind of uh, redistribute the money from the big to the smaller one but it's it's it still came from you know came from the idea of the artisan itself where in indonesia we, we sing a song you know we hang out we, we eat food and then you know we sing a song like you know, it's very very fun game something like that so i want to you know, i want to make this draw session also like fun like that you know <clears throat> and then and then Pina also i think Pina also uh, suggests that maybe it's good not only not only very you know very loose loose conversation or or chit chat something like that so then there's the idea to do like a discussion for its uh, drawing events and then from there i i kind of like do this comic strip based on the on the on the top series so the comic idea itself is also from my experience in in the netherlands where <clears throat> where comics is for me comic is I don't know. It's my my personal my, my personal feelings that comic is very still very popular in the Netherlands compared compared to Indonesia or, or in Australia or maybe in in UK itself. You know, 
you can find mm. comic comics in in you know in every corner in the in the cities you know it's very mm. very still very popular like in japan and i'm a, when i was a, when i was a kid when i was a child i am a big fan of, of of european comics and so i i really enjoying enjoying uh, 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 local comics like the, the Netherlands, like Holland comics. When I was there during the project, you know, I, I bought lots of comic books. <laughs> yeah, and, I remember uh, you sent me the Royal Orchids, a yeah. picture of the Royal Orchids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. so, so from there, I, I got this idea. So it's good to, to bring this, this, this top, this top uh, theme you know, converted into something more fun, you know, into comic strips and then into also into a song. You know. So there are four four events, four drawing events, and it's event there's a talk. So we have like four talks and then and then I do I make four comic strips and four songs to incorporate the, 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 the events. I remember we were like at a certain point pushing walk to like finalized concept. <laughs> it's afterwards so like public art project. So we start announcing publicly, then it has to be realized on time. So like as at a point that you're getting kind of uh, nervous, like whether everybody would participate or not uh, like that. So like the first yeah, the first lucky draw, which was um, coinciding with the opening, was like extremely fun, and I think that just continued in the other draws, and and you could see how this like it is like there was a like kind of pretension or a certain simulation, a simulation of real like lottery show. <laughs> so there was a, this lucky draw as well. As you said, there are like these banners, uh, tent, yeah. and <laughs> sitting around. Very festive. <laughs> so, yeah. And then walk, you also made this like large certificate, which is your mm. 1,000 euros. <laughs> so like the winner of the draw uh, had opportunity to uh, take a group picture together with walk. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's like ridiculous and, and funny and, and uh, lovely. Uh, but there were, uh, there was actual like circulation of actual money oh, and then of different uh, amount of money and each cash organization. Money. Cash money, yeah, we gave us a cash. <laughs> uh, so each organization did different thing. Um, but funny thing is out of four organizations, so like Casco Platform Becca and Das Spectrum, which is artist run space. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, um, in Utrecht and then SMBA, which was project space of Stedelijk Museum. Uh, last two uh, sort of disappear. So in reflection, we were actually questioning if we are really like continuing parasite lottery as a system, like, could we continue without work? Absolutely. <laughs> that was, 
actually, yes. I actually I submit Parasite Lottery to Arte Util website. So um, it means uh, like people can using it as a tool. Yeah, I mean, in principle, yes, but the, like this performative uh, intervention that you made, I think brought this um, easiness. It, it kind of, it's like the way that you move and intervene, this like gathering is like icebreaker. So that breaks the border between organizations and, and people. So, I mean, you also talk about like attitude is like a parasite lottery is kind of attitude. Well, I'm distorting yeah. it that before and like cultivating this attitude is uh, a question, how to cultivate, how we can be more open and generous and funny, uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like we can start start with, with you know, uh, uh, we started in very small scale, you know, and doing it like you know uh, regularly, so it can and and make it more more simple, straight to the the the, the main ideas, you know, and then make it more, I don't know, more fun. And then it's become like become like an attitude, you know, to do when when a a group of artists or, or some artists will gather and need something, need some funding to do like small things, and then and then it's open to everyone. You can doing it right away. It's, it, I, it's not easy, of course. It takes times. It's gonna be like need like very long term process i guess to 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 make it as an attitude you know to, to cultivate it as an attitude I mean, uh, if, 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 if 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 every participant feels the benefit and then i guess it can continue but how we can go to the benefits you know goes to the people who can feel the benefit of it you know and then and then you can get the as an attitude. But uh, the second edition actually is like a year after the in 2017, I came back again for for Casco anniversary, <laughs> and then I'm doing it again, you know, in in different different system at that True. time. Yeah, it's more like not institution; it's more like everyone can join, you know, like buying uh, kind of like buying mm -hmm. the tickets, you know. And then we drawing it, and then, but everyone have to write down what they can give to others. It doesn't have to be money; it can be like any other resources, like services, like anything you can contribute to to other people. And then, and then we, and then we drawing it, and then, and then we get in touch. You want this, and then you can you help the others. I think it's much more easier to do it. You know that that second edition uh, system. But I think what 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 it is very different from organizing, and the reason why it's like really like actual uh, experiment and practice of comedy is that it externalizes resource 
So, I mean, it is possible that, like, uh, we actually give massage to a friend, but we don't recognize that as a resource. But Arizan or Parasite Lottery, like, enable us. This is a resource that we have, and that we have a kind of abundance of it that we can yes. we share. So, that I'm was just, like, just simply like walking a dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It is actually a very important aspect that um, there was only one event organized at Casco as a parasite lottery, but then three other events organized in other venues. But everyone who's part of it could claim as their event with regard to accountability to their funders. So before uh, Walk bring this uh, proposal for Parasite Lottery, you are anyhow interested in the art and depth. Why like many artists creating that in order to produce their work. So it's like really following same like mechanism many households uh, actually, or many individual have in the capitalist system. So we could, uh, I think we could work less, we could produce less by sharing labor and production, but we, uh, in place of that, we generate more time together. I think that that was one of the important aspects. Yep, correct. I think that Parasite Lottery is an, is an art project, still is an art project. So it has like very limited, you know, a, a very a specific time frame. And then mm. after that, it's after it's finished, and then it's gone. You know, it's just mm. give people uh, 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 an idea, you know, and and let it flow, and then it can really flow, like blow, like push, you know, disappear. You know, what I mean? <laughs> well, actually, in, in the past two years, I I I'm very sad about about art project. And I'm, I'm, I feel failed about art project. It's, it's, wow. it, 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 ha, it doesn't have to be like that, you know. If, 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 if a project initiated by an artist, it has to be, it has to be an attitude, you know, it has to be implemented to other people as an, as an, as a tool, as a real tool, as a, you know, as a, as a social form, you know. So, yeah. so I guess it, I can make it like less as a project, like specific time frame as a project, as an artist project, more like make it as an as an, an a social project, you know. So if it's an art project, it's it's different. The purpose is to make art. So I want to change it. Now I think I, I want to change it. You know, I, I want to make like social project. But but yeah. but because I am an artist. It's gonna be artistic because I'm an artist. I have imagination. Mm. That's mm. that's what that's why I want I, to do it. Like make it as an cultivate as an Totally agree with you, Walk. In your word, correct. <laughs> it's Australian, actually. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> Walk the Rock and Pinachoy on Parasite Lottery. 
he just dropped this plea for artists to make social projects at the end but i just want to say i am also totally in favor of this and may we build this attitude together next up is the second recording from nuning um, in her writing and ideas music is knowledge and therefore a commons that makes songs a precious resource and when looked after carefully they can become repositories of knowledge that can be traced in sounds, melodies and lyrics. Songs are archives, she says, understanding archiving as a creative process which targets cultural material or practices that are regarded as precarious or vulnerable. The song that she will share is called Darah Juang and is of such a vulnerable nature. It speaks to a spirit that is still brutally repressed and silenced, not just in Indonesia, but all over our world. It survived the silencing methods that were covering up the crimes of the new order regime from Indonesia's second president, Suharto. Uh, these were very dark times and Nuning got to know the song when she was a student and has recorded some of her thoughts about it for us. Darah Juang, or The Blood of Struggle, is the title of the song, often associated with the social movement in Indonesia. Darah Juang is written and composed by Johnny Tobing, a student activist from Gajah Mada University, Yogyakarta, in the early 90s. The song was born during the heyday of the student movement and the intensity of the oppressive new order regime, weighing heavily in the everyday life. The lyrics of the Darah Juang song is able to capture all the feelings and thoughts through its simple yet poetic words. It seems that I always take it for granted that Darah Juang is associated with the student movement or various forms of social movement. In September 2019, there were a series of student protests in Yogyakarta and other cities as well, which media claimed to be the biggest student movement after 1998. In Yogyakarta, the student protest was called Gejayan Memanggil or Gejayan Calling, The Future Returns. The protest tackled various issues. It was spurred by a draft bill of the Indonesian Criminal Code to be legitimized by the Indonesian House of Representatives, demanded the cancellation or review of aspects of the criminal code bill that touched citizens' private lives, from abortion to supernatural knowledge. The movement also demanded a revision of the Commission of Corruption Eradication Bill, prosecution for governmental elites who are responsible for environmental destruction, the refusal of problematic bills on agrarian and labor affairs, urgency in passing bills on sexual violence, and prosecutions for human rights violation. I read news articles about this from various sources. I observe video clips and postings of the movement on various social media platforms. Darah Juang's song was sung by this contemporary social activist. The song proves to be a relevant voice which is able to be present and serve as a companion to the activist. How can a song travel across time and generation of activists and become a kind of sound heritage? First, let's hear the song. This was taken during the concert in Yogyakarta in back in 2014. 
Mari kita berdiri bersama. Kita jadi sama-sama, kawan-kawan. Kawan-kawan ikut bumi saya. Lalu nanti kawan-kawan sedikit. Here in our beautiful land, paddy is abundant, our ocean is rich, our land is fertile. Here in our beautiful land, millions of people live, undernourished children can't go to school, village youths are jobless, they are deprived of their rights, evicted from their lands and hungry. Mother, let us feel our plot of struggle to free the people, those who are deprived of their rights, evicted from their lands and hungry. Mother, let us spill our blood of struggle. We are devoted to you. We are faithful to you. To refer to the song as part of song heritage means to emphasize its historical meaning and actually to run against the mainstream imagination of what heritage usually is. It also encourages a further exploration of the organizer of the student protest. The aforementioned student movement in Yogyakarta was organized by a network called Aliansi Rakyat Bergerak or Alliance of the People Movement. How have they come into being at this particular historical time? Why do they, as well as other student and social activist groups who were emerged post-1998, turn to Darah Juang Song as their companion? And Laura Stoller's idea about archiving as dissensus helps me to articulate my attempt at conceptualizing sound heritage. According to Stoller, archiving as dissensus demands the cultivation of capacity to make new objects available to thought, paying attention to sensibilities that certain archives might not know, recognize, or make room for. The worthiness of archives is subject to reconstruction, reconfiguration, and reassembling. Archiving is a kind of engineering as defined by Rudolf Mrazek, 
the type of the building that can be defined as an assemblage of various things that matter to the closest people in the collector's life. The conceptualization of the future as well as what to inherit derived from the negotiation process of the useful meaning of archives. Dorin Lee's research about Generation 98 or Generation 98 and archives activists interprets the big gap between 1978 and 1998 generations as the result of the success of the depolitization of campus during the New Order era. It also can be seen as the undocumented time in which the documentation of many episodes of political violence that happened in between 97 and 1980 is scarce. Drawing on Benedict Anderson's concept of logic of seriality, Lee asserts that the naming of the activist generation in Indonesia, Generasi 1908, 1928, 1945, and 1966, 1998, and so on, represents a specific and unique generational contribution to the evolution of youth nationalism. Lee brings forward the neglected phase of the period to understand how the memories and productivities of the previous youth, youth movement shaped the next generation's narratives and to make sense of how it transformed into the student movement in 1998. I use Lee's undocumented time concept to make an observation of the social and political archiving condition between 1998 and 2020. Many activists of the Alliance of the People Movement are part of post-generasi 98. When reformasi took place, they were still in primary or high school. Reformasi 1998 is a method to learn and relearn mediated by mass media documentation and other archives available. However, the fall of Suharto also brought the period of openness to knowledge and information. During the 2014 presidential election in Indonesia, Lee observed how the old and new activists lived in post-Suharto world without mystery. The existence of knowledge products around the systemic abuse and the repressive histories of the state equipped the alliance activists with the intellectual tools to articulate unresolved issues and formulate necessary actions. Darah Juang emerged as part of the intellectual tools in the format of song. Walking and marching together is a way of performing the song. At once, such acts also activate the song, contextualize it within current context, share the knowledge of the song, and make it part of public memory. Nuning's question, how can a song travel across time and generation become song heritage, seems to me a crucial question in the context of common grounds, song value. Of course, song has always accompanied social movements. Think of We have We Shall Overcome during the civil, civil rights movements in the US, Red and Roses sung by the women's movement here in Europe, or even the Internationale that has been translated in so many different languages. In the Netherlands, there is a gap in this shared history through songs. Over the years, I've had my fair share of marches and manifestations, and singing all together on the streets is definitely no longer part of our activist culture. There's just 
one song that the climate movement likes to sing, Power to the People, has driven me mad at times, the same one-line melody for hours and hours on end. Knowing the power of song and hearing the many voices joining in on the Rahjuwang, how it unites, this void in the Netherlands makes me sad sometimes, to know that we don't know what songs to sing, or maybe we are too embarrassed to start singing them. Nuning emphasizes the value of the historical meaning and context of songs, how they are used as intellectual tools by contemporary activists to relate themselves across time to struggles in the past, to position themselves firmly within histories that are often silenced by governments and school curricula. She helps us understand that in collecting, archiving and reviving certain songs, it is possible to build a counter-narrative from the mainstream imagination about which heritage we should be relating to. For the next song, I will stay with Indonesia and is a song that is generally associated to a dark page in Indonesian history. This is Lilis Suryani with Genjer Genjer. <laughs> Thank you. 
Suharto's new order regime was a dictatorship and military regime that reigned the archipel from 1966 to 1998. The start of Suharto's fascist rule began with a coup in 1965, overthrowing po President Sukarno, who wanted to unite the three main ideologies in Indonesia, known as Nasakom, the nationalists, the agamis, or religious groups, and the communists. Suharto's taking of power went hand in hand with a highly anti-communist sentiment and he instigated the massacre of the members and sympathizers of PKI, which was Indonesia's communist party. Between the period of 1965 and 1966, more than a million people were killed. The Chinese population in Indonesia were also targeted during this massacre, their heritage automatically making them red in the eyes of the military although the Chinese Indonesians have generally held the position of scapegoats during times of political unrest. The fall of Suharto in 1998, for example, was also accompanied with a wave of anti-Chinese violence, especially towards the women. Another target of Suharto's communist purge were the women of the Gerwani, who were a women's organization that held ties to the PKI. They were main actors in what has been called the myth of Lubang Buaya. It was in the morning hours of Suharto's coup on 1 October 1965 that seven Indonesian army generals were kidnapped, killed and their bodies dumped in an old well near the village of Lubang Buaya on East Jawa. Their murders, committed by the so-called 30S movement, also sometimes called Gestapo, Yes, Gestapo, like the Nazi Gestapo that we are familiar here in the Netherlands. Uh, their murders uh, the next day uh, were blamed on the Gerwani in the newspapers. The sensational story went that the women had kidnapped the generals, forcing them to take part in a huge orgy that resulted in them cutting off and eating their penises, dancing and singing naked on the top of their dead bodies before dumping them in the well. This story is also part of a movie called Penumpasan Penkianatan by Arifin Se Noer, which was a New Order propaganda film and became a crucial part of the Indonesian mediascape every year. In this movie, the Garwani sing Genjer Genjer as they torture and rape the generals. Genjer Genjer was composed in 1953 by music teacher Mohamed Arif inspired by the living conditions of his village in the region of Banjuwangi in East Jawa during the Japanese occupation from 1942 to 1945. It's also known as the lettuce song because genjer is a plant that grows abundantly in the region and although usually meant for cattle food, the villagers at the time were under such hardship that genjer was a main ingredient of their daily meals. It was popularized by different pop singers like Bing Slamet and Lili Suryani, who you just heard, and generally associated with PKI and also with LECRA, standing for Lembaga Kabuduyaan Rakyat, or the Institute of People's Culture, who were something like radical artists. Mohamed Arif was also part of LECRA. Under Suharto, Genjer Genjer was banned and actually used as a form of intimidation threats. Researcher Ben Arps recounts how members of PKI would receive anonymous phone calls where nothing would be said, but they just hear the song being played. 
Hearing the song alone was enough to inspire fear. By now, there are many renditions of this song. Closing this show, you will hear one more rendition of Genjer Genjer by Filastin and Nova, recorded on their album Lut, released in 2012, followed by Sankakala 3 by Haber Modus Operandi, and they are one of the artists that you can find on Wo's Yes No Wave Music. Keep an eye out for Haber Modus Operandi. They're performing on the 4th of April on Rewire Festival in The Hague. For now, stay strong these coming weeks. I will be back with Stacy on the 4th of February with the final episode of this season. Thank you to Wo, to Bina and to Nuning for their contributions today. And also a shout out to my friend Yeve who saved me in tech once again. Um, thank you very much for listening.